Okay, Winston, I hope that mic works for you. And there's a clicker somewhere around here. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, it's great to talk about real money of the governments uh, after the presentation about quantum politics, right? Yeah. Um, you know, actually, I studied quantum physics when I was an undergrad, uh, undergrad student, you know, majored in uh, electronic materials. Uh, but from, from there, I became a happy lawyer, banker, uh, and uh, sovereign wealth fund investor, right? Who wouldn't, right? For, for, this, for people in this room. Um, so so to the, today, I would, you know, as uh, Mark mentioned, you know, re recent 10 years, you know, uh, 10 years before the pandemic, I, I was a manage, managing director of uh, CIC, China's sovereign wealth fund, since its inception. Um, and the last couple of years, I, I, among other things, I was an adjunct professor at NYU Law School. Uh, teaching a class about sovereign, sovereign wealth funds, you know, investments and uh, regulations. Um, I engaged uh, lots of funds as guest speakers, round tables, etc. Um, and for the class, I wrote to the book, The Hunt for Unicorns, How Sovereign Funds Shape the Future of Digital Investments. So, so for today, i you know, uh, going to share some of the uh, sovereign wealth fund perspective on digital infrastructure as a potential uh, a new asset class. So this can move forward, or Mark, you can help me. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, this one. Oh, this one. I hope I won't turn this off. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, so first, you know, these are big guys, right? You know, in my book, I, I referred the, uh, referred them as the uh, trillion dollar uh, club. So if you look at the top ten, actually, in average, uh, they are about one trillion each. You know, I, I used to work at the CIC, right, which is like one point three five trillion right now. Um, second, second to the Norwegian guys, close to $1.5 trillion. And, and to Amman's point about we cannot ignore the power of Abu Dhabi, uh, uh, Qatar, and Singapore, uh, you, can, you can argue uh, to a large extent their influence comes from their sovereign wealth fund. Because if you look at top 10, right, you have Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, uh, you have the uh, Qatar Investment Authority, and in Singapore, they have uh, two of them, right, a GIC and a Tamasic. Um, so it's, a, it's quite an important factor of those countries' uh, influence. Now, for, for, for CIC, I joined uh, at its inception during the financial crisis of 2008. Now, it was a, a kind of a breakout year for all the sovereign funds, not only for CIC, but especially interesting for, for CIC because it started right there, right? Uh, so so I, at that time, uh, I was the first group of uh, Wall Street trained Chinese uh, that was hired by CIC to go back to China to, to, to start running that fund. Um, so I was uh, one of the first 100 employees. And by 20, 2013, at a five-year mark, uh, I got a CIC watch. I'm still wearing it. Uh, I can show it. Yeah. You know, why 2013 was important? important uh, date point uh, because 2013, just like 2023 last year, was a big uh, uh, administ government administration change year. You know, so after 2013, uh, the, the government started anti-corruption campaign, so no more watches. Um, so it was, <laughs> it was, a good, good, was a good version. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, think about the, the context, right? You know, uh, as I said, you know, t 2008 was a breakout year uh, for the sovereign fund to become active direct investors. 
because in the past they are mostly passive investors, allocators, but now uh, they have the additional role as a direct investor. Uh, so, so the very first CSE investment was $3 billion investment in the summer of 2007, the IPO of Blackstone. Right? Um, and uh, the, the, the very second investment uh, was end of 2007, uh, Morgan Stanley, like $7 billion in the middle of crisis. Um, and it, CSE wasn't alone because uh, even bigger investment was for Citibank. You know, like totally they put a $10 billion to save uh, Citibank uh, coming from all the sovereign funds, uh, not only uh, like Middle East guys, right? Uh, like the, the Kuwait guys and the idea of uh, UAE and also the two Singapore sovereign funds. Yeah, so, so after that, they become increasingly active and direct. And for, for, for infrastructure and you know, real estate, you know, this is a kind of early asset class that the sovereign funds become active and direct, right? Because this, at least the theory is they are physical assets, number one, and number two, they have predict, predictable uh, cash flows, uh, so you, you have clear visibility of their future, and thirdly, uh, uh, you, you, you can buy a house yourself, right? So why, why can't you buy a real estate and manage it? So, so that, that was the thinking. So, so that was how it started, and of course, uh, during the uh, last couple of years, even including the pandemic years, uh, the, the money allocated into that sector, including direct investing of those big guys, uh, kept increasing. And CSE too. And uh, some signature deals uh, were in London. Um, one is uh, Thames Water, kind of the city water system. Another one is uh, Heathrow Airport. Uh, th these are considered like, to be signature infrastructure deals, right? You know, like heavily government regulated, physical assets, and uh, quite a foreseeable cash flows, uh, and, and these, uh, these days, obviously, you know, many different factors, including the rising interest rate, uh, so, so the returns of this asset class is, is on the challenge, so the digital infrastructure coming into the space, and it, it sounds, it, it also feels good because it sort of fits in the overall sustainable investment direction, right? um, and i come back on that one. Uh, because overall, digital infrastructure is viewed as like green, resilient infrastructure for the future, um, and, 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 and apparently, you know, it can, it, there's a lot of demand for that, right? Because we talk about a lot of AI, and what's driving AI uh, is the uh, computing power, and, and for the computing power, you need a lot of digital infrastructure, like data centers, uh, 5G networks, uh, fiber optics, um, cell towers, so on and so forth, right? Um, but you have to really have to think about, right? You know, like for the for the for the for, for the asset owners like the sovereign funds, you know, they, they, they begin by asking a question: um, For digital infrastructure, do they provide the kind of risk reward uh, profile that we expect from the infrastructure sec, uh, uh, allocation, right? And why this question? Why this question is because even for traditional infrastructure, like in the early chart. Uh, the toros, the, 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 the city uh, utilities, et cetera, even those asset, uh, assets, they have not, at least some of them, have not delivered the, the risk-reward profile that people expected. Um, so, 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 so going back to the two examples, I particularly picked those two. Um, so for the, so, so first, you know, the, uh, the, the Heathrow Airport, 
Actually, it, 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 it's, it's uh, Winston, can you put your, keep the mic? Oh, oh okay. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's it's the better of the two. Uh, it's a better of two. Uh, but but when you look at the Heathrow Airport, actually the the expansion plan of the airport um, that was discussed as the investment never happened. Never happened because things just drag on. You know. Uh, but that that was one of the better uh, of the two. It's a, one of the better investment for the Thames Water System in London. Actually, now it's on the verge of bankruptcy, right? You know, how often do you invest in infrastructure and it's, it has bankruptcy risk? Um, and and uh, apparently, you know, the, 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 the utility company actually put on a lot of leverage. Uh, uh, but every time they want to raise the, 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 the cost of water, that your local people always say no, right? And the local regulators always tend to agree with the voters. So at the investment committee, it was described as a inflation hedge investment. But in, in reality, the inflation hedge never happened. Right? But, but that, that was like a small issue. Right? The, the much, bigger, much bigger issue is, is like a, a lot of uh, all the corporate actions right, that, that got dragged into local politics as well. So, so right now, uh, actually it's a public news. Right? It, it is. Uh, it is on the verge of bankruptcy, and, and, and the CSE is maybe like the second largest investor, the, the top investor, the biggest uh, owner uh, percentage guy already uh, uh, wrote off the valuation by half. So, 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 for, so for digital infrastructure, let's say data centers, right? Um, when you compare that to an airport, actually it, it even it missing that exclusivity. You know, what do I mean by that? Like, you know, if you have an airport, at least you know um, for the next 20 years, maybe there, there, there will not be another airport right, in that city, maybe, most likely, most likely. Um, but for data centers, if you invest in a data center, uh, it, tomorrow they, there can be another possible land to be turned into a data center. Things like that. Things like that. So you have to think a bit further, right? And, and then it also has a, a technology kind of component to it. Uh, like today, you have this data center that you can support the, the cloud service of uh, Amazon, Google. Um, but five years down the road, you don't know what kind of uh, what, what kind of uh, technology disruption may come uh, and, and change the whole thing. Uh, so, so maybe you have to ask a lot quicker kind of cash back. So, and then the last one is, is about the sustainable aspect, right? You know, since all the sovereign funds are becoming the leader of uh, sustainable investment. Especially the Norway guys, uh, actually their executive come to my NYU class uh, last last three years uh, as a guest speaker for the uh, sustainable investment session. So, uh, but when you look at the, uh, the the energy consumption, right? You know, right now if internet is a country, uh, the, the energy consumption is like number three, right after China and the U.S. Yeah? And, and this this energy and most of the energy comes from traditional energy, right? Uh, uh, plus, this, de this demand for that kind of energy uh, keeps, increasing, keeps increasing. So Bloomberg estimated like 1% of the global uh, energy consumption goes into uh, uh, the compute computing. And, and then uh, there's, according to another data, right, cloud computing contributes uh, close to 3% of global carbon emission. Actually, that's more than uh, the global airlines. And then finally, you know, uh, this trend is continued. This trend is continued, right? Generate AI, AI, very process data intensive and energy intensive. IoT age, you know, a year ago, China 
for the first time has more connected things than connected human. Uh, and, and pretty soon, the, the whole world, you will see the same. You, you, you know, with Apple Vision Pro, blah, 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 right? You know, you will have a lot more connected things than connected human. Winston, um, can we start asking you questions yeah, soon? Please. Yeah, but yeah. When you this, this is the last page, books. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, you got to show your books, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the uh, digital infrastructure, energy, uh, energy transition, right? That's sort of the, uh, the, the biggest uh, topic. The sovereign funds already committed tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions, into energy transition the last couple of years, and now they're getting into digital infrastructure. And, uh, and I think the, uh, the, the most investment activities will come at the interplay or, or, or the intersection of these two important topics. So that's it. All right. Yeah. You're, I'm making yeah. you uh, pick your favorite sovereign wealth fund, yeah. trillions. Um, how do you want to redirect your allocations in today's world? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think if, if they are serious about sustainable investments, uh, they have to combine uh, digital infrastructure investments with uh, uh, energy transition projects. For example, uh, uh, data centers uh, plus solar power next to it. Mm. Where's Hank? Mm. Yes. Hank, yeah. Hank, is Hank in the room? Yeah. Did you hear that, Hank? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thinking in this world where, where it's multiple wars. Interesting. Yeah, I, I know you won't let me go until uh, unless I talk about some China topics, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. No, no I, uh, you know, for it's interesting when you look at, the, you know, let's focus on the sovereign wealth funds, right? You know, because th that list uh, is, is different from the Canadian pension list, et cetera, right? So, so the difference is, if you think about it, is that the sovereign funds guys, you know, their base currency is U.S. dollars, is U.S. dollars. Uh, it, so, the, so the thinking must be different from the pensions, which, which hand out dividends to the pensioners in the local currency, right? So, so in a, in a, in a U.S. dollar strengthening environment, actually, it makes a huge difference. Uh, for, for the Canadian guys, uh, if, if the Canadian dollar keeps depreciating against U.S. dollars, they just keep investing overseas, and when that's converted into Canadian uh, uh, currencies, they look like genius, right? Because they got a lot of benefit of the local currency depreciation. But for the sovereign wealth funds, right, their mission is to preserve the value and increase the value of the national assets. Uh, so they have to be measured um, in their, uh, you know, for their returns, be measured in U.S. dollars because that's the purchasing power uh, of the national wealth. So, so in the in a U.S. dollar strengthening environment, uh, I think naturally they should they would allocate more U.S. assets and the U.S. dollar assets. Got it. Hmm. Well, that probably segues yeah. to the next panel. But any questions? Okay, Sam, go. Um, China is very efficient at building large infrastructure projects, right? Um, so you talked about the need for investment in digital infrastructure in a space that you see opportunity, how does uh, the regulatory landscape and maybe some of the political uncertainty in the U.S. impact the way you think about infrastructure investment in the U.S.? Right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, for 
for the Chinese capital, they, I think at this moment it's almost quite almost certain that they cannot invest in, into the U.S. infrastructure because of the CFS National Security Review, <laughs> blah blah blah, right? Um, so, so, so for the U.S. infrastructure, you know, you, you would see a lot of European money into this, right? So, for number one, uh, another guest speaker for for my uh, for my class has been uh, KFW, you know, the German uh, development bank slash sovereign fund established after the uh, World War II uh, uh, part of the uh, Marshall Plan. Yeah. You know, they have, uh, they have a New York office, and they're surprisingly active in investing in U.S. infrastructure, including digital infrastructure. Yeah. So, so you, you, you will see, and also uh, another example, APG, you know, the Dutch pension. Again, they have an office in New York, and they are very active in investing in the in the infrastructure in the U.S., including digital infrastructure, smart cities, et cetera. One last question, and then we're going to talk about build cycle. Because you give so much to our community, you get to. You're so kind. Winston, thanks so much. What, do, you, do you see Joe Blue? Joe Blue. Joe Blue, yes. Uh, do you see the demographic situation in China impacting the investment and political scene now, or do you see it impacting soon? Right. And, 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 what do you, and what do you think that that might happen? Right, yeah. So, so, so first, just kind of disclosure, I'm now an American citizen, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I have to be a little biased, all right? So, but anyway. But anyway, love, love the question. You know, that's, that's a huge debate in China right now. Uh, I, I, I guess I think if you ask the question in the right context, you know, everyone knows it will hit China, but the real question is it would be very soon or a much longer time, right? Yeah, the, the, answer, the, the, the answer is maybe, you know, uh, because um, – most of the people would, would think it, it will come very quickly, um, but you know, because of the benefit of the CIC, uh, when I was working there um, before the pandemic, you know, I, I went to a kind of government forum, right? And then the, there was one, one government official, you know, say something which made me think. Yeah, he, he said, you know, like even during the, demog during the demographic transition, you know, there will be a lot of death. You know, don't, don't quote on this because it sounds, sounds very negative because uh, he said there will be a lot of death. Uh, but, you know, he said a lot of death is also a lot of demand. Uh, me, he said it is also a lot of uh, social activities, social activities. Yeah. So, so, so that, you know, I remember that uh, for, for quite a while. Uh, and, and now, so to your question, you know, I, I think most people expect it will come very quickly. Uh, but but maybe it, it's not that quickly. Uh, it, it may happen in certain asset classes very quickly. For example, real estate, uh, because it's all based on expectation, right? But for uh, of a consumption, etc., um, it, it, it may uh, drag on uh, much longer than uh, than people think. Yeah. Come join our 361 firm community of investors and thought leaders. We have a lot of events created by the community as we collaborate on investments and philanthropic interests. Join us.